Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Edward DeSales, sitting here with Arthur Black. Hello, hello, and I'm sorry to uh, disappoint a lot of your listeners that assumed by now in Amsterdam I'd already be completely fucking stoned and, and drunk for this podcast, but I'm I'm quite lucid. I'm 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 here. I'm yeah, present. We're, we're paying attention. You know, we're we're still in Amsterdam, and uh, we've been building up towards having a hell of a night here tonight. Um, our guest today is Timo Jansa from uh, Door Seventy Four. Hello, awesome place. Hello, thank you. We had a great time here last night, and mm-hmm. and are very much looking forward to coming back tonight because you've got a really special event uh, happening tonight that kind yeah. of just fell a, fell into circumstance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great having uh, the yeah dandelion uh, guest bartending with the people from Bathtub Chin and uh, Rambolian, and um, so um, yeah, looking forward to seeing tonight. And I'm definitely gonna pop in for a drink, even though I'm not. I'm yeah. off, but uh, <laughs> te- te- technically, technically. one more instance where our community just kind of comes together. Yeah. Alcohol, the glue that binds us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of which, what did you have to drink last night? Last night, yeah. oh, last <laughs> night I stayed at home. I only had some uh, some specialty uh, beers. I went into the, went to the cinema. Uh, very relaxed last night. Uh, I uh, was wasn't there, so I was I was there on Monday though. We well, need to decompress because you just uh, you just got back from Tales. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, on uh, on Sunday, uh, Monday, yeah, Monday afternoon. I got yeah, back. we arrived about the same time in Amsterdam as you did, but yeah. we just we had an easier week, I think, last okay. week than yeah. you did at Tales. Yeah, it was a it was a tough one. Ed, what did you drink last night? Well, I drank here. Um, I had a couple of amazing cocktails, and I don't recall which ones I had at this point of the <laughs> evening. But uh, no, I, I, I was the flavor profiles of everything we had at, at Door Seventy Four last night were incredible and made you think. Uh, mm. But you know, not so like, not solely intellectual. Okay, yeah, yeah no, that's good. Yeah, we had several cocktails here and um, um there's one that stuck out in particular but before i um had a cocktail i noticed you guys had run can can um which is an extremely obscure um vin de liqueur um so mm-hmm. sort of like the counterpart of pinot de Chiron, but coming from the provence and you just you don't see it often so mm-hmm. it was awesome to start off with that and then i had a cocktail called that traveling owl <laughs> yeah that's uh, mine yeah that that yeah. It's, it's brilliant man it's it so was delicious it's odd and very peculiar and very unique. Um, it employs um, Beiju, which is one of the more widely consumed spirits in the world. It's kind of the Chinese equivalent to, to Shoshu. Um, but there's also some crazy stuff going on there. There's Verju, there's Yuzu, uh, Leaf, all of which you could really taste. Mm, I mean, they, they all came out great. And then um, sweet potato syrup. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which added a peculiar tactile impression. Yeah. What's what's going on with the sweet potato syrup? Yeah, so we, uh, yeah, just uh, when you make your sweet potatoes, you peel them, boil them, and uh, you know, and then uh, you know, juice them and uh, get a, get a syrup going. And uh, so uh, the uh, the idea was, I I actually started off uh, with tasting baijiu in, uh, in my first trip to China, and uh, I really liked it, and the, the people there were quite surprised that I liked it. And, uh, <laughs> So <laughs> who's this crazy Dutchman? No. Uh, yeah, and, and so that's uh, and 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 I was already kind of inspired when I was there, uh, like uh, with the different flavoring profiles, and then kind of it all, it all just kind of came came together from from that point on. So um, and and when I told them that I wanted to put a drink on the menu with that by they, they all said like I was crazy. So they were like, okay, uh, well, it's kind of a love it or hate it kind of situation with the bartenders there with uh, the Baiju, but you don't, I didn't see much drinks being made with it. Though, so, uh, well, uh, speaking of that, I mean, it, were, were you drinking it by itself or were yeah. you drinking it on the rocks? Because no. as I understand in Asian culture, it's more common to drink it with ice. Yeah, uh, the way I, I've seen it, well, I've been to uh, Beijing now in Shanghai and uh, usually we just drink it neat and just drink it all through dinner and just drink it, drink it, drink yeah, it, drink well, it until, the, until the bottle is uh, yeah. and, and then get another one. That might be a difference between the Japanese culture, which, as I understand, is on ice yeah. um, for shoshu. I mean, um, you've traveled all over. I've, you, I mean, you've guest bartended all over Asia and... Yeah, now now it seems like I'm doing more and more in Asia. Uh, before it was more uh, towards like uh, like uh, Europe and Russia mainly. I'm going back to Russia in, uh, next uh, for the ninth time, I think, for next month. Really? And, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, like, uh, yeah, it's very quite varied. Um, How's the cocktail scene in uh, Russia? Super. Yeah, um, like St. Petersburg, Moscow. It's really, really, really strong. Um, I mean, because because of the you know like. The visa can be a bit hard, so it, like you don't always hear that much about it. But like their, their local culture is really quite big, and now availability of at least of tools is, is getting better. So the quality over there is getting a lot 
very very better very rapidly a lot better too so. no that's cool i you know we didn't know much about amsterdam's cocktail culture even mm. coming into the city here mm. and obviously we're skewed we knew we're the best places to go grab drinks <laughs> we're going to be uh and it's helped to you know hook up with gentlemen like yourself and, and guillermo uh from our last episode but uh, yeah i mean how were things coming along in amsterdam like um yeah well i think uh the the when it was really uh, moving along, I, I remember when we opened, uh, now almost nine years ago, it was uh, actually pretty pretty quiet uh, in the beginning. Um, we opened and we didn't mu hear much. And uh, I would have said, you know, like I also, I'm also the organizer of the, the, the Amsterdam Cocktail Week and the, the bar show here. I'm the, the owner and organizer. And I, oh. um, when we started the Cocktail Week last year, I mean, if I would have done that seven years ago, we would have had like maybe eight bars. We would have been stretching it. Um, and this year we did it and we uh, well we actually did it this year and uh, we had like almost 70 bars so it's been like a, a huge um, increase on uh, on the number of bars um, now I, I would say like three years ago it was more like like actual new bar cocktail bars opening and now it has m shifted a little bit more towards also like the hotel bars are also coming around and you know they're seeing what is happening and in london and in other places in the world and then they are getting more interested and also more international hotel bars hotels chains are focusing on amsterdam as well like you know wall of astoria w you know like they're all trying to get a foothold in in, in holland and with them you know kimson and, and they all bring with them the idea of having a good cocktail bar so sure absolutely uh, ed mentioned he wasn't that familiar with the cocktail scene here and i would extend it just after being here a few days i mean i think ed and i are kind of blown away like how much we didn't know about amsterdam at all you know like it's it's been a blast man this is a very unique um awesome historically rich kooky kind of city that's almost like surreal um i mean it, there's the tourist element and everything but the people here have been amazing everyone's genuine everyone's very friendly there's a weird fast-paced element to it between yeah. traffic and all the fucking bikes in this yeah. town um you guys if you've never been to amsterdam people uh, I just bikes. Okay, lots of bikes. Yeah. Eight hundred thousand people population and one point five million bikes. Yeah, lots of lots of lots of bikes. Yeah, everybody's driving them, and uh, it's just a it's the fastest way to get around. You know, parking. I mean, it's not a cloud city like some cities in the world where you know where where uh, there's just only traffic jams. I mean, it's not that busy, but the parking is can be really difficult. Well, like places to park, and the costs are involved are quite high. Taxes on cars are quite high, so it's mm. really uh, uh, oh thanks. Ca taxis are the way uh, the way to go. So um, um, uh, uh, cabs uh, and uh, biking, but biking is faster. So that's really the best way around town, either that or a moped. Um, well, yeah, you have to understand if, especially, well, our, our biggest pet peeve over here is always like the people, the tourism getting on the bikes. And it's not even like the fact that they had like, like one bike that is a little bit swiveling, you know, like that, that can be a danger on its own. But if it's like a whole group, a whole like pack of the like, well, yellow bikes. Oh, right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's dangerous for themselves, you know, like, because it's like, you know, like you have the bike lane, but if you know, if you, if you're swerving too much, you know, like there's cars there too. So it's like, okay, you know, like you're, you're being a bit of a hazard. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> blatantly obvious. Like, I mean, I, I've already been able to like look at a bike and go, okay, that's a tourist, that's a native, just oh, by yeah. the way they handle themselves yeah. on the bikes. And it seems that cars have priority, bikes are strong second, and then pedestrians right. are far third yeah. as far as <laughs> get the fuck out of the yeah. way, or you're probably going to get Walk hit. at your own risk. Yeah. Yeah, but despite that fast pace and the traffic, the traffic seems fluid. And again, the, the people here just seem just cool and chill to where this isn't like boston or new york where everyone is like it's bustling and everyone's pissed mm -hmm. and they're rude and mm -hmm. assholes mm -hmm. uh, love you new york love you boston um <laughs> but uh as everyone just seems cool here mm -hmm. um it just has a, a genuine solid good vibe and i don't mean like a stoned cool actually most people that live here seem to be sober most of the time it's like yeah. all the tourists that are I walking think, around I think, uh, I think it's really the way well i mean i'm i'm completely you know want to race dutch and unless you have a specific specific interest for it uh for me the way it was is like you know like marijuana is more like something that you that, that you do to kill the time before you you reach the age where you're where you're allowed in, in bars and i mean that's the way it was for me you know like so it was more like okay i'm bored you know like and and you could always and find some weed somewhere you know like or a friend sure. or from a friend 
Uh, but you know, I always saw it as a more gentlemanly thing, you know, to reach that certain age where you where you could go into a bar and have a drink. So that would be uh, much. Uh, Nicer there. You've lived here for 17 years in in, in Amsterdam specifically. Uh, yes, yes, yes. 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 I, so, before that, I was I was I lived in the east of Holland. Uh, yeah, that was super cool. That yeah. to me seems like a feat. Like for someone with my predisposition predisposition to uh, do naughty things, I, like I think I would get a badge every year I made it past puberty and didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I don't know. You know, like I think if it's that easily available, I yeah. don't know. You don't you don't usually. I mean, there, there are cases, of course. Right. You know, like of people overdoing it or getting in in trouble. I'm I'm talking now more in, like in high school. You know, like when people sure. are like a little bit. Uh, go oh, overboard yeah. with it, uh, but it's not. It, the, those cases are not more than, than people, you know, than, than people illegally drinking or sure. you know, like uh, people. I think people who get it, who are you know, are prone to 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 get in trouble that way. They are they get in trouble. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I joke, but I, in all honesty, that element of like the red light district and the youth and the coffee houses and everything. Um, that's been my least favorite part of this this whole experience. Mm. I mean, just the the food the food in this town is amazingly diverse. Like yeah. lots of Asian influenced food, um, Indonesian, Thai, Vietnamese. It's it's one of the most you know culturally culturally uh, diverse people uh, uh, cities in the world. Like uh, living there, you know, like you, you have a lot of international companies, a lot of you know expats from all different walks of life. But but that hasn't just been recently. It's also been well like like that always and uh, sure. it's always been Holland's always been about trading and about you know like being in a center position and uh, doing business with people from all different cultures um, uh, so so in from that perspective you ha- you see the same with uh, the the food you know like uh, a traditional Dutch food is actually really plain you know it's just like far- farmers food and then but then like as soon as you know like we had different cultures over that's really when it immediately like in the 20s and 30s when it already like started uh, influencing the the food over uh, over here that's know? been fantastic and you said this place has been open for nine years nine yeah years. almost nine years yeah like uh, in, a, in a month in a month or two we'll be open for nine years. what did you do bef- before this venture uh, I worked here on the corner at uh, Fijoa, um, uh, which was really, I think, one of the very, very first bars that uh, that you know juice citrus to order. You know, so that that was really the first that was using like fresh citrus, and uh, that was an important thing uh, for us when when that place opened. Um, and before that, I uh, was a, a bar manager in a hotel uh, in a hotel bar, and um, I was enjoying myself. I had the liberty of doing a seasonal cocktail menu and I had the liberty of, of, of having a little bit of flexibility in the ordering. Uh, but what I didn't like was the whole setup if in a hotel bar is that you don't know who you're doing it for right. necessarily. So so like you, you don't really doing it for an owner. There's this like nameless company of people you've never met. Um, and um, and there's a lot of politics involved, you know, and, and that's what I hear as well from a lot of people unless you're working for a really tiny hotel. Um, and uh, that made me, you know, like want to go back for a little bit and bartend. So I bartended at Fijoa for a few years. Uh, um, and now then, that goes, I mean, we're talking over a decade ago now at this point. So when you were doing things like that, that had to have been far in advance of the cocktail movement kind of sweeping I, I, Amsterdam. I, I was, yeah, I was just inspired. I, I, the fun thing was I never really had much uh, at the time. Like uh, I, I didn't really have exam, ex- uh, like like bars that I was looking at. I just kind of felt that it was a nice thing to do. And then I just found it out as I moved, moved along, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, just kind of being on my own. I, I didn't, at the time when I was managing the hotel bar, I didn't feel that confident uh, in my skill set towards other cocktail bartenders. So I was just kind of like doing my own thing. Right. And only later uh, people started g- giving me recognition for it, you know, and it started to, to spread and become more popular. And that's when I started to do cocktail competitions as well. Uh, but at the beginning, it was just like me being curious. And I, I wanted to do things like that. And I wanted to, to push boundaries. So I, I just did it. And uh, Well, your curiosity uh, paid off uh, because... You, you alluded to doing cocktail competitions, but you haven't just done some cocktail uh, competitions. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I was able to win, it's uh, a, win a long quite a list of accolades, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I just I, I just found that you know, like uh, actually from origin, I'm somebody who uh, who is, has a really um, um, it was really a sore loser uh, when, when I was growing up. So I used to be a really bad loser, and 
Competitive, um, yeah, I, I can't relate. Cocktail competitions <laughs> actually taught me, uh, like, uh, like to to let go of that and, and think about you know the bigger picture, the fun that you're having, and the, the people you're meeting, and yeah, and and also like just to see where you're at and how you you how you rate uh, with your peers, um, and uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed doing them, and uh, yeah, well, the first several times I just always ended up like somewhere in the middle, and I was just content with that, and then yeah, and then after a while like things started happening so um comp- competitions just in in any field are are, are great um as long as you learn well <laughs> but the, the winning will come if you like yeah. you know and then i'm a hothead too and I, I only know competitions from sommelier community and sommelier mm-hmm. competitions and do you win national on your first go no, no. but you you learn your chops you you know you advance your abilities you gain some humility and if you if you're good and you put in time then you'll win and i mean that that's that happened to me in my case and you know it it, it they're they're just wonderful experiences yeah. they're communal and you know you see you, you learn what other people are doing to yeah. advance your own craft well, and, and to get that you know that recognition and not only for yourself but for the bar and the bar right. has gotten uh incredible recognition for and you know and very quickly i mean you've been here nine when, years but this it, doesn't just happen this year i mean you've no, been no, no, no. you're on the 50 best bars list yeah well we, uh, we 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 came on the list actually the first time we were on the world's 50th list it was it was hilarious like because we, we were on the list and we were all like oh there's a list and we didn't really know it. <laughs> and, and it was like okay and 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 then we heard we were nominated we were in the list and we were like oh okay and we didn't we didn't even really bother we didn't bother going because we were like okay we didn't really knew much about it actually and um and then uh yeah we were on it and then there was like a lot of like all of a sudden a lot of media exposure on it and then we were like oh so it is really like a really huge thing yeah. and then after that we started like just going every year and now nowadays we just we just we just go because it's it's similar to the whole competition things i think if you go in it with a with the right attitude just like meet meet new people from your craft and and you know meet them and and get open to new ideas then it yeah, then it's really just great and it's just one big party and and then you'll just see where the chips you know fly and you know for some people you know some people can compete for you know forever and never and never win something but if they have the right attitude about it you know they they'll still progress in their um you know in their skill set and they will still progress their bar you know like you said and um you just put your name up is always a, I'm jealous that you've been able to go uh I've gotten my invitation i'm one of the uh voters um and i haven't had an opportunity to to come over it's just a weird time of year i mean i've got restaurants to get busy and it's not inexpensive to fly to london uh from from the united states so it's prevented me from going in previous years i don't i'm not going to be there either this year it's like i think yeah of course and and i think the facility of of holland you know with with london and 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 its place within europe uh, geographically is also a, a, a huge advantage you know like when when I make a drink and in a week basis, you know, if I would be working the whole week this week, you know, I'll be making drinks from people from, I don't know, like on average, I don't know, like 20, 30 different countries. Right. So like, um, so you get a huge influx of like, uh, you know, inspiration uh, that way. It's not you just like you're, you're on your own island. It's more like, okay, you, you, you meet so many people, so many people from different countries uh, are working here. So you, 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 you can there's a lot that that's to be gained and um yeah and that's that, i think that's really nice you know like uh, well the same similar i could say like about tails it's like uh, that's not a cheap that's not a cheap so you gotta you gotta be um yeah you gotta get lucky there so uh so luckily i've, I've been able to go um uh many times now but uh but you know there there might come a time you know where you know where I, I won't be able to go and have to make a decision which is the priority. Yeah, it, can't, it can't be everywhere. I mean, nowadays with you know like uh, like with with bar shows, for example, you know I'm, I think it's really great that, that uh, you know the same with my own bar shows is that is that there's countries popping up everywhere and and probably you know in the, the US they'll, 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 you you might see some inquiries there as well. Um, but at the end of the day, you know you can't think that you can be at, at every one of them nowadays in the world. You know, like mm-hmm. unless you have. Some wonderful contract that you know just basically <laughs> right. pays you to do that. But uh, if you're just a bar manager, if you're a bar owner, you know, like you can, you have to pick your battles and say, like, okay, I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to the the BCB, which is of course like super duper big here in Europe. You know, I'm going to go to BCB, I'm going to go to the Belgian bar show, but uh, maybe 
uh, but maybe I can do, uh, for instance, you know, Portugal, you know, Portugal, or maybe I can do France. You know, like so you have to kind of pick your battles. Sure. Otherwise, otherwise, you you'll only be traveling. You got to do some work as well. Um, you said you <laughs> so they say to, to, to tales a lot. Um, do you, do you like Nolans? Yeah, I love it. I actually the first few times I've been to the states was to <laughs> in my life was to uh, was to New Orleans, and the, so it was actually my only reference. And people were telling me like, "Oh, that's not actually representative <laughs> of, of, of USA." And not so much. No. That's, still, that's good though. You know, I've been to a lot of cities like that where like this city's amazing because yeah. you had they had that one little snippet of time that was amazing. Like, it doesn't yeah, matter it, what well, happened. Your impression is awesome. It, it's yeah. just you know, it, it's 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 different. Um, it's not as clean as Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, this city's remarkably clean for what what's going down sometimes yeah i think uh, that there's a lot of effort being put in it uh, but uh, you know if you if you come still a lot of, a lot of cities cleaner and uh, we'd like to see it a little bit cleaner than, than it currently is. i but, think but, everybody always well, wants to see their own city a little cleaner well, i get the impression it's always been a beautiful city but we we did like a food tour in the garden district yesterday which is really cool um, a, a friend of, of um, the Jordan. Of oh, Ed. Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah. yeah, that he knows from Rome or has some kind of connection, has a, a food tour here, and it was really cool. But we went through the Garden District, and they had said that certain areas like plumbing wasn't really a thing until mid 20th century. Mm-hmm. And there were people that literally like would like go down the street and like have a cart full of shit, yeah. and they were like, the shit cart people like that was their job, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then you like you're walking down these streets, and you're like, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, the, the the city's been been wonderful. Yeah, it's a city like uh, like you said. It's a city with a lot of history. Uh, I mean, I think uh, also in the the cocktail world and spirits world, mostly about the the spirits, of course. Um, uh, so that's really nice. I actually, when I was at Tales, I think like four out of the five seminars I've been to, like the the Dutch came in some way were were mentioned. You know, in in some oh, reason super. about. You know whether it's because of Batavia, Iraq, or about Geneva, or about the, uh, the, uh, the liqueurs, with liqueurs, brandy history, yes. with brandy and cognac, brandy and, and cognac. So a lot of times, you know, like it's it's featured. So that's that's really nice, and I hope we hope, of course, that one day Geneva will. Uh, well, it's well, definitely well, in the states getting a lot more attention. We've got rum as well. Uh, I mean, several, with, with well, the, oh, the trade triangle. You're Back speaking the 18th my language. And 19th centuries. Yeah. yeah, I mean, speaking of all these really cool spirits that you do have available to you here, and we don't necessarily always have, especially when it comes to Geneva, like getting a wide selection. I mean, how do you approach a cocktail list? If you guys, when you guys are kind of get setting out to do a menu. Yeah, well, well, one of the things I've always wanted to do, and that comes back from when I was managing the hotel, is that um, there were a number of things that I've always continued doing. And, and one of those things and what I found is that I want input from every single one of the staff members, always. So uh, even if these are people who just started or they, they, they haven't even learned how to bartend yet, um, even though like here, like everybody is all around uh, in the end. So if, if somebody's a waiter, you know, like they, that is just like a temporarily thing. You're like, uh, you come and work with us. At first year, you're going to be only waitering. Then you're going to be on the door. And then finally, you're going to be on behind the bar. So we, we want everybody to be all around. But even before that in the hotel, when I was working there, you know, like I always wanted to have input from everybody because what I found is in the beginning, I was doing all these menus by myself. And I found that, you know, even though I tried to be really creative, I had a certain template. I had a certain like signature style of, of approaching drinks. And I think Everybody has that, you know, like where you, I, where, where after a while, somebody's been making me a lot of drinks or they're like, you taste it. You're like, yeah, it's got that signature. Oh, yeah. It's got that signature approach to it, you know, like, or they, they really love to combine, you know, like, I don't know, herbs with, with spice or something. And, um, and I find that I was a little bit in a rut after creating a, a few menus and just doing it start to finish myself. And then uh, I found that all of these people were walking around in my team with all these wonderful ideas, and then they didn't get a say. And I was like, okay, let's let's do that. Let's okay, I, I want to. We do the test. This is the deadline, you know. The, it, and even if you're you've never bartended, just at least give me an idea. Give me like a in, ingredients, idea, visual. Like what what do you see happening? And also, what I found is really nice is when when you you start doing that menu is that they they feel connected to it so it's not just like oh yeah these drinks yeah, yeah well, it's I mean, empowering it's, it's, it feels like a part of yeah. ownership so they 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 feel like when their drink is doing well or when they can promote their own drink you know that it's just nice so they they can say like hey you know yeah this yeah what can you recommend yeah well this drink actually is, is my drink or you know uh, uh, so that's it's really nice and and people want their drink of course to do well so then by the time the next menu comes out, they're going to be even more driven to more make sharp. it, you know, and then they, they, uh, and a lot of times, and I, I think, yeah, you probably noticed that like a lot of times it's actually people that are 
waiting on people, they see a lot more faces. So they, they get sure. a great idea about what it is that people are looking for, like the voice of the people, you know, like they, which is important, I think, you know, like you can, you can do the craziest stuff you want, but if nobody's there to drink it or nobody's really liking what you put <laughs> out. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. Like we talk about that all the time, like do your thing, but if no one likes it, if you're just making drinks you like, you're not going to fucking survive, you know, you, people have to enjoy what they're drinking, yeah. even if it's of your own creative and artistic yeah. um, liberty which is extremely gratifying yeah um, i think i think that's beautiful but yeah you have to understand that you know like that there is something you know called you know like that there is there are differences you know like when you're traveling there still is 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 a difference in approach you know when i go to russia i i will and i'm making a menu i'm going to approach it in a different way if i'm going to do something in in um uh, in the U.S., for instance, you know, like right. you just know, like okay, there is a general kind of consumer on the consumer palate side. There is a general kind of way, you know, like or of things that people really go for. And you have to at least make sure that that is represented in the menu. Now, another thing that I stepped away from was up until that time. You know, we're talking like uh, when was it early? You know, two thousands. You know, like a lot of people were approaching menus like okay, these are the vodka drinks, these are the gin drinks, these are the Kia drinks, and I immediately I kind of like took that away. You know, I was like okay because that doesn't mean much. You know, people will look at it and people will seek them out and you do want maybe, you know, like if if whiskey or, you know, whiskey is a very popular spirit category in, in your bar, you know, of course, you're going to have to listen to that. But I think you're looking more at a balance in, in flavor in your menu instead of just saying like, oh, it has to have uh, two gin, two vodka, two. And uh, category-wise, uh, coming back to the Baju, you know, like, there's so more more categories than than just saying like, okay, vodka, gin, rum, tequila, boom, that's it. You know, like atikide, you know, like and you're in your, you know, that's your menu. And then because as soon as you limit yourself and you say like, oh, this is the only things I'm allowed to be doing, you know, like like with enough limitations there, you know, like you're gonna be ending up with a very homogenic you know like very standard menu with just like favorites and that's always something i i a menu is something which you also you know you're gonna you're gonna try and, and make the perfect drinks for it like what, what your people like drinking but also trying to push yourself as well of course you know because I, i've seen so many bars that are super um successful but then they get into a bit of a rut because they're they're so they're really happy with their menu so they're too afraid to change it right, you know? like, right. it's like oh, oh no, this uh, menu this menu is like the bomb you know like but it's like but yeah, but, but if you like, I know like like one bar is Eastern Europe, and it's like a great, great, great bar. But they haven't changed the me- their, anything in their menu for like five years, and then it's like, you know, it's cool. I mean, you, you probably have a pretty good menu, but you know, in terms of inspiration for your staff, in terms of like just like general inspiration, mm-hmm. I think you know, or, or your your regulars, you know, it, I, th- I think it's actually similar to what you'd see in a, in a in a restaurant. You know, you still have your favorites. You know, you still have your signatures, right. like people people come back for. And as long as you you can pass those recipes on and can still make it, that's cool, you know. But you can't have it like that. It's only that standard all right. the time, or or your regulars are also going to be a bit, you know, you know. You have to kind of find that balance where where you know, like in, in drinks, you know, where you gotta for at least for your menu to do it because you can always make your house classics and, and, sure. and do that. Well, you know, you were talking about like you can make these or Arthur made the comment about you can make these really esoteric ingredients and, and put them into your cocktails. But if nobody buys it, then Hey, yeah. you know, your, your menu though <laughs> has got some pretty cool eccentric stuff in these drinks. But I tell you, and we, I know we, we gave you the compliment. When we walked in here today, but we were here last evening and your staff, um, completely takes the pretense out of that whatsoever. Like if I'm yeah, looking they do a really good job. When, yeah. you, when you sit down and if you did not know what any of this stuff was within three minutes, you're going to feel completely comfortable with it. And they're going to explain it to you in, in a way that is not looking down on you. I, I, I think, I think that was, I think that also stems down from the fact that when we opened, we were like the first like speakeasy bar, like in, in this part of Europe. So we, we never had prohibition. So it was like a completely foreign subject for everybody. So the, the main thing that we tried was like, okay, it's already like tough enough, you know, to get in. And like, like the last thing we, we want to do is like, is to make it feel potential. So we, that like our whole thing is like to, a, is aimed at like, okay, we need to break down that, that idea. And, 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 and break, then just have break people, down all the pretense that you set up by having yeah, no so signage. The first, and, uh, so, yeah. so, you know, like you did your best, you know, like you're, you're in, you know, like now, you know, like, but don't feel too scared to have fun or to, to like to have a drink. Uh, but you know, like we don't, we don't want to make it make it tough for anybody. So uh, and um, so, yeah. A lot of times, we're actually considered, you know, quite rowdy. Actually, especially back in the day when when you know, like uh, when this was was a really new thing, and then we were of course immediately compared to to other bars, you know, in that line. And 
it immediately turned out, you know, like that we were more on the Amsterdam side of of these things. Sure. You know? So, uh, of course, we and, and and the whole reason, like the, the whole first of all, the whole reason that we that we became a speakeasy was not because we thought that it would be like, oh yeah, this is going to be the new thing happening. It was just because we're really close to the Rebbin Square, like, and it, it, you would really have to decide if you're not. It was really born out of the fact that me and the owner we were working um, at at Fijoa, and he was the owner there at the time. And some of the things that bothered us was that we gave a great service in the weekdays. We we make some creative drinks. We had time to talk to people, and then come the weekend, it was just three lines thick, and then what everybody ordered was just beers and mojitos. So when when this opened up, he had the decision to make like I he either wanted to make this into a hole in the wall like a party bar, like just right. shots and simple, mm-hmm. like or or a sports bar or something. Uh, or to do like something different, and then and then the speakeasy thing came came along, and it was like okay, this is, would be a great way to make sure that that the level of people that are inside is going to be at a certain pace. So and that and that was that was the the idea, and then uh, when we opened. Um, so it's really about like a little bit. It's more about actually protecting the guests, you know, like and, and making sure that they have a great time than uh, than us being difficult. So and then it's like uh, so yeah. it's it's more of a protective, you know. Well, like, your team's uh, amazing. Uh, number one rule in service is it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just to turn up the volume a little bit on our appreciation for how well we were taken care of last night. Um, you know, the the drinks are creative. Um, they're very palatable on a large you know scale, so they fit to a number of different demographics. <clears throat> that came out on great pace and uh, just to compound on this there were several really douchey tables in here last night <laughs> there was a really douchey table of young girls that were like oh yes i'm here in europe yachting for the summer it's like fuck you and then there was a really douchey group of you're guys you're just jealous because you don't have a yacht but i would i would like a yacht, <laughs> but I, that still would not come out of my mouth if i owned a yacht um and then there's a whole group of like six guys that were just having gin and tonics that were trying to hit on the douchey girls. <laughs> and, you know, but you know what? I mean, like Kevin, one of the guys here, he took care of all of them with a smile and mm. great service. And, and everybody you know, was treated 100% equally. Absolutely. And like, that's like, that's the balance, man. Be creative, be passionate. Don't be a dick. It was an important thing for us, you know, like uh, to compare, you know, like we never wanted to be like, like a members club or whatever. And we had to make it really clear, you know, like that to people. It's like, okay, if you, uh, people would uh, like still to this day, they always ask me like, hey, what do I have to do to get in? Blah, blah, blah. Do I have to friend you or something? It was like, well, no, because we treat everybody the same. So like, it's, it's very simple. You send us a text, you know, and if I, and, or just ring the doorbell, if I have space, it's fine, you know, like, but if all the seats are taken, it will, it will stop, you know, like, and, and, you know, like, uh, and then they said, like, yeah, but there must be a way, you know, to always come in. And it was like, no, there, there really isn't. And you wouldn't like, like it if, if it would, because you, you no. wouldn't be sitting down and it's like, it's really weird. This place yeah, would like, get really packed very uh, quickly. Yeah. And, and so you, you, you basically, um, uh, which just means, you know, like, yeah. And I think that's, that's for me, that's the way forward because you don't want to, I never wanted to play favorites or friend of friends and so many times you know when i'm working behind the bar it's like uh it's like oh yes team are working and um uh you know like i'm friends of team blah blah blah, blah and it will never get you anywhere so it's like <laughs> it will not get you further down because i think you know i think it's important you know for the success of the place that everybody should just feel like they're all treated equally like you said you know everybody is is is, is the same level of of guest uh, for us and it's not like uh Oh yeah, you're you're you know like you're super special. Well, I feel like that part, the way you're treated on the inside, makes that barrier on the outside even more special once you make it in. Um, for those that are having a hard time, when he says it's a speakeasy, I mean this <laughs> is literally like surrounded by a couple of residential. Actually, I noticed the uh, all the buzzers in the apartments next door have a big sign that says, "Please do not push <laughs> these buttons. We are not door 74." <laughs> Yeah, they, they've, been, they've been neighbors. suffering. They've been suffering. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a drug guy's like, I want in. They're like, stop buzzing my apartment. It's next door. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we there's a little doorbell and you ring the doorbell. They opened the door last night. You opened the door and said, you know, come back in a couple hours. We don't have any room right now. And uh, my uh, my wife was actually she didn't have a couple more hours left in her and. They ended up scooting us in at the end of the bar. And, and like I said, I, it almost felt like the reward. Like, okay, you you went through the hard part of yeah. finding the door, getting yeah. in. And once you sat down, it was like, all right, forget all of that stuff now. Yeah. Here's your amazing service. Yeah. And we're friendly. We're funny. We're telling jokes. Like, it. this has definitely been one of the cooler bars I've been to worldwide. And you absolutely deserve to be on that 50 plus oh, bars you. list. Thank because that's, that's the whole package. And that's what gets you on the list, you yeah. know? Yeah. I think so too, and I think as soon as you, 
you know, like uh, that's uh, you know, like uh, I know, like Speakeasy's been getting having a lot of uh, you know crap lately, and I think it, because <laughs> I think if you do it uh, just to uh, if the whole idea of, of having a secret door like or, or being a speakeasy is only about you know you being cool or something or like you said if it's not about if it's not about the guests let, let's put it this way if it's not about that that or if it's you know in some cases if it's not even about drinks it's just you know like i don't know like nowadays yeah. you have like i don't know like champagne like it's really puzzling me but it's like uh, <laughs> uh um uh, you know like then i don't think it, it will be a lasting uh, something that lasts because uh, you know people have to understand themselves as well you know and and when you explain it like listen you know we we just need to do it like this because otherwise you know it will be it will be you know a mess and it won't it won't be pretty and it won't be good cool and it won't be nice people won't enjoy themselves and, no. and nobody inside will be um and and you know like uh so so then i think it works better um yeah um and and the funny thing is you know when we opened uh, you know we we didn't spend the time in, in marketing um so the first few weeks you know like uh, there was nobody there so uh you know it, it really just grew through uh friends and family and and bartending friends and and they started like the first uh first two months i knew everybody who came here by um, first name i knew everybody and i i knew like uh and, and after that the first six months it was like friends of a friend you know like it's like okay i think they they you know they know about this place through this and then of course it Gross, and then it just took off pretty stuff. quick. Yeah, took took off took off quick. I mean, like it still is. I think from a you know, I, I'm I'm just a manager, I'm not the owner, but I can think from a, from an owner point of view, it, it can still be scary. You know, like when sure. you just open and it's like, the, like like there's literate. I mean, like compared to even like a quiet bar when you open, like there's nobody there. Like 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 zero people in the first few nights. You know, like this this nobody. Well, it's logical. Um, so that could be that could be, I think that can be a bit a bit scary, but um, yeah, yeah. It once, it, uh, once it once it once once it once it gets going, you know, like and then it's uh it's nice. You get uh, you know like uh, you get your vibe on and um, um yeah, it's uh, it's been a yeah it's been a it's been a blast so far and uh, yeah, been doing um have been having a great time so far, ever since I mean, it opened. So you touched on it, and I think it's interesting, but like you know, the speakeasy was born out of prohibition, and like mm -hmm. you just said earlier, there. There was no prohibition no. here. People, of course, know it from from movies. You know, they know they know about it. Uh, there, like we we had, I think there have been uh, times in 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 the in the Dutch past where where there were like you know some interest parties that that might have wanted prohibition, but it, they never got even close. You know, like it never it never took off. Um, it just didn't happen. Uh, well, but, but people do well. under, but people know, <laughs> uh, and, and but people people do understand the the, the idea of of, sure. of prohibition. They do understand what it what it kind of means. They do get the vibe of it. It's just it's just not something in their in their own experience that they've ever that or that that they ever heard of in their own country. From a distribution um, point of view, you talked about the growing cocktail culture in mm. Amsterdam, but are are there is there something that you just don't get a lot of access to, like tequila or bourbon or, or um, well, one, one of the things that sometimes uh, annoys me is that even though like we're we're you know very central and you know like we're one of the main you know ports, you know like so uh, we're quite easily to access for the European market. Um, you would think that it would be really easy uh, in terms of access, and this is true for anything that is basically coming. If it's coming by ship, if it arrives to Europe by ship, or if there's any here in Europe at all, you know, like we probably have it, you know, somewhere. So that's good. Uh, if uh, you know, if, if it's something that is launched in the UK, usually, uh, uh, usually UK is the first market that it launches it, but very close second would be us, you know, just by delivery wise. You know, like to give an example, you know, when when Italicas launched, you know, like we were like. Like well, I think it was like a week after, you know, like booming, you know, like because they they wanted to do the second launch in Germany, but we already got our hands on it somehow. So, <laughs> so we, you know, because it, you know, it arrives on the ship and then some some of the stuff falls off the wagon <laughs> or something. Right. <laughs> so it's like, but you you do get that that access. However, um, I I got pissed off a little bit uh, a few years ago when I went to this seminar about amaros, you know, and uh, and or about you know uh, French you know aperitifs and or even Belgium aperitifs and. And you you see all of these products uh, that are not available in uh, in Holland and uh, and they are then available in in the states. Well, I mean, 
later on I understood that the States is more than just Tales the Cocktail. So I said, <laughs> it can be available. <laughs> right. It can be available at Tales the Cocktail, but it doesn't really mean it's available in every single state. That's hundred percent true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I, I uh, that that kind of annoyed me. But uh, recent recent uh, times, it's, it's been getting better and better. Also, on the Amaro side, um, you have to understand that when we opened, there were no dedicated suppliers for the like. There were no cocktail focused supplier at all you know like you had the, the the suppliers that we worked with were people that norm would normally supply only liquor stores uh they were more liquor mm. store driven um in general yeah, big and brands. you know yeah so you had and you had and the other ones were just focused on restaurants you know um and for us it was usually the typically speaking the bars were supplied by the brewers now the brewers had a horrible selection you know now now even that is changing currently but you used to have a horrible like to give you an example you know if you wanted gin depending on which contract you had with which brewer uh it would mean that you had by definition you either had beef eater um or um i can't think of the name but it's like, uh, yeah now not tank it, it's a little bit worse than that uh but it's like uh, <laughs> no, uh, 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 you but you, you or gordon's you know like it, wow. but it was beef eater or gordon's depending on which and you didn't have a choice in the matter but what turned out is that even though you, you could have a contract with a brewer, it's usually their contract stipulates, if you really read it, it stipulates that you can only, if they offer it on their supply chain, then you have to get it. But if they don't offer it, you're, you have the, the freedom to get it elsewhere. Um, and that opened up possibilities. And when we opened, uh, we actually had to import uh, several things ourselves. We did a lot of import uh, ourselves through Germany. Uh, we imported uh, Fentimans tonic. We imported it straight, like a whole um, palette of it. We imported from the UK. Um, but as we moved along and there were more bars opening, now it becomes interesting for suppliers. And now I'm happy to, to say that we actually have distributors, uh, importers that are that are very much they're putting uh, focus on they're, they're putting a lot of focus on the on the cocktail industry, which right. is great. So so now it's getting better as they they are listening. And they are now the liaisons. Like, uh, like if I say, like, oh, you know, like it would be really, really, really cool. You know, like this product just like would be really cool to get our hands on it. They will do wink, their best from wink, their wink, end, wink, from wink. from their <laughs> end, you know, to get in to get in touch with these people to get it done. It doesn't take too long for suppliers when when something actually starts getting some traction. Yeah. You see people people putting focus on brands. You see brand ambassadors positions open up. You see mm -hmm. masters of whiskeys with you know Diageo open up and mm -hmm. crap like that, and then. Mm -hmm. A lot of wholesalers throughout the states, at least, are, are developing like craft spirit portfolios mm. with devoted teams, and I, uh, yeah. we have one in our market, yeah. um, and you know a number of other markets for the for the wholesaler that I work with, which I oftentimes uh, omit from mentioning that name on this podcast because of our big explicit uh, oh, status yeah. on on. Or for, for we, don't, we, we don't want to get you fired from your real job. Right, right, right. <laughs> this isn't my money maker. Yeah. Um, we make a ton of money doing this. <laughs> <laughs> find a way to write off Amsterdam because of podcast. Yeah, we need to work on that. Which, uh, for me, just as a side note, like this is kind of uh, one of my ground zero cool places because of ENA Share. <laughs> like I'm a big rum geek, and yeah. the fact that like so much of the, so many of the uh, the rum brands out there are yeah. blended right here. Yeah. That's in true. the city that's super cool it's it's, it's really cool and uh you know like we actually had our own uh uh blend for a while like just as a, a tester just to see ourselves how how it works basically and it's uh yeah you 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 really feel like hey you know i want to put out a rum band because it's um it's yeah it's it's quite hands-on you know like when we when we went into that process it was really like you can you could decide for yourself you know how many how many islands do you want to see blended or just one island how many ages what elk abv you know they have like you know just pure like cast strength and you can just take it from there and they give you all you know step by step you know and then it's like just kind of fine-tuning 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 until you arrive where you want to be and then they'll tell you what that is going to effectively cost which is which when which is when you really notice what packaging and marketing and labeling uh, actually right. costs because the liquid is um, it's not you know like it's it's a re very reasonable uh, <laughs> depending yeah, until, on what, until, what until you put you it in glass right yeah. yeah and especially if you like those uh, those companies out there that have the iconic bottles yeah. you know um, not that they are a and a, a, &A share buyers but I mean eighty six company has got the most iconic bottle yeah. I mean they're fantastic we use them all over the place yeah. Uh, but yeah it's you're right I mean the liquid's not horribly expensive but when you you 
the marketing, the labeling, the bottle itself. Yeah, it's that mold, you know, like, so, so a lot of times you see like where the, when the bottle hits and you just know like, oh yeah, you know, you, that bottle is coming from that and that, you know, this is kind of like the cheap, you know, the, just the cheap model or the medium model or the right. more expensive model. Uh, and then you have like actually putting in the money to have like your own mold. And, and even then, you know, even if you have your own mold, then you have to protect it because, you know, those guys, they have, they have the mold, but if you don't protect it well, and it, which is going to cost you money as well, they'll think like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. You know, let's use it for, let's have it as an option for other people as well and then you'll see people just running away with it and and they didn't pay the investment that you <laughs> right yeah all the all the t- time and effort that you put into it oh it's an interesting market you know like all you, oh, you see the same with i mean i think you know the cool thing about rum is that it's that it really specific uh and only in holland but of course you see the same thing everywhere with like you know the, when there's a new gin brand coming out when there's a new vodka brand coming out when there's a new something coming out you just immediately ask like okay you know which who is making it and i think that is a big right. difference though with uh with us and like let's say belgium for instance in belgium it's it's quite easy relatively easier to open a distillery um uh you know by laws and etc and positioning um in holland it's a lot more difficult it just requires a lot more investment you can't just do a small craft distillery and and start from nowhere and just start distilling that's really unheard of um so a lot of times if you see a new boutique, you know, brand coming out or, or like a gin or something or something unaged, uh, you can immediately ask like, okay, where, where, where is it made? Which is not a bad thing, you know, like the same with blending the rums. You know, it can still be really well done, like with mm-hmm. a blended whiskey, it can still be really well done. Um, uh, but it just, it's, it's all about, you know, like w- w- transparency of that, that market, you know. But in, in, if, it's, if it's Dutch, you, there is just only a small number of people places it can come from right? well that's we go through the same thing uh not only in the united states but it, uh, just about an hour from where we live um there it, well it used to be lawrenceburg distillers uh that with all the bourbon brands but now what is it now M- mgp hmm? is that what they're called uh, what's that stand for anyway I don't, I don't know yeah i never i can never remember but uh but yeah i suck uh, at acronyms I, I remember that well there was a couple of big to-dos a few years back with the uh whiskey brands that weren't being entirely transparent about the fact that they were sourcing it from indiana yeah um you know so oh yeah no they they make a lot of a lot of spirits down there yeah (laughs) i mean it's right at the right at the kentucky border pretty much uh that's Mm -hmm. not a fun drive to go down there either but oh, they have they have their volume so and I, I mean you could still yeah. probably tweak it if you have good maybe if you get good connections there you, you have a good nose good tasting palate you know you can still you can still get get stuff but it's like it's just that uh, you know still be you still need to be transparent the about transparent it is and the say like thing. okay you know especially with whiskey if you're coming out with something that's you know that has been aged for eight years and, and yet your your company's is only a year old uh, you know where, how did <laughs> right. that you know uh, you know what happened there and how, right. how, how were you able to do that good here? product is good product but it, the, the the lack of transparency is important for those of us that give a shit about it and we make up the minority you know the vast majority of consumers yeah. they don't give a shit about the features and the benefits and the stories and actually where it came from it's all point of sale kind of crap i mean hey let's get a rapper and attach them to this fucking brand we'll so cases but for those of us that do want to know i, I just don't like being lied to by mark i was gonna say the lying is more of an issue for yeah, me the, is the when, bullshit when they come up with a, a false story behind oh this is historically how it was always made and, and then you find out that it's like no, no you're I'm, making it at an old seagram's distillery in indiana you know yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, flat out lying is, uh, is yeah, that's uh, uh, not so good. Yeah. You know, well, and also, I, and also, a lot of times it's even like, like it's 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 political to the to the point where you know if you would like call out like one of these marketing people that are blatantly lying, they would just say like, well, that's what I've always believed. You know, that just wash their hands. Right, like, this, right, this is yeah. the story that they told me. You know, like so. You know, yeah. they could just say like that to to their knowledge, they were saying the truth. Uh, well, yeah, um, that's always huge. I, in the from the wholesale wholesale perspective, if you know someone in marketing is bullshitting, it's still probably not a smart idea to call them out on it. Now, from a retail perspective, as a bartender, as a bar owner, absolutely call them on their shit. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying, like, and if you wholesale people out there, and if you're not a VP. Um, you know, don't call out the bullshit and the features and benefits. It's not a smart career move. Oh, you just got back from Tales of the Cocktail. Were you happen to, or did you happen to be able to hear uh, Richard Seal speak at all? No, uh, no, no, no. Because no, he is notorious for calling everyone on their bullshit in yeah. the rum world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, I, I, I always joke that I don't think that I think we could get on Facebook right now and put up some bullshit false statement about rum that's just a total bullshit rum. 
And I think within five minutes, Richard would hunt it down. <laughs> you know, he would find it and comment on it and be like, what in the hell are you guys talking about? Um, yeah, he's, he's amazing and he's key. He keeps everybody honest. Um, just before we wrap up here, I'm just curious, what were some of your, uh, favorite seminars you were able to attend at Tales of the Cocktail this year? Well, I mean, honestly, like not even to, uh, you know, like funny enough, um, one of our, my friends who does a, a great, he's a tea sommelier and he did a seminar on, uh, attitudes and altitudes about, uh, about like altitudes about tea. Uh, combining tea with whiskey and also ending up with with his like tea to cure as well tasting those um that was amazing on the tea side you know and he's been a dear friend and uh that you know, sounds that really was, cool yeah it was really 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 cool you know and i uh and actually my, my girlfriend is a tea a sommelier as well so oh, okay. we, we always bounce off each other on tea and it's it's such a great great you know category and it's really so misunderstood or misused by by bartenders and uh, but it's just so wide and, and, and interesting and it really delivers. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, um, really getting into, uh, into that. And, uh, and of course, you know, there was a, um, um, and Tess went to a seminar on, on Baiju and we also bought the book at its sign and uh, we're just reading through that. And that's like, for me, like the whole, that whole, you know, I think Baiju for me, you know, like I, I, I want more, more, and more. Like uh, it's so hard. That is quite a, can be quite a hard thing to find out as well. But yeah. it, it's uh, but it, I want more of it. Yeah, That's okay. funny that you say that because my one of my questions I wanted to ask was like kind of what are you what is your current spirit obsession at the moment? But it kind of sounds yeah. like that might be it. That is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is absolutely uh, it. I mean, I'm I'm a big uh, other things. I'm a big fan of you know like I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, things like. Uh, uh, Madeira, you know, like, uh, ah, like I, I love that. Madeira. I love that. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fun. I, I have been to. I, I actually last year I went on holiday to Madeira. Just like the main reason for that was to to you know to see it. And, it's fucking and gorgeous, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've Madeira's had the pleasure amazing. myself, and it's it's one of the most beautiful. Yeah, so beautiful. Arthur's fresh back from world. Portugal as well. He was there yeah. last week. <laughs> I was the Naduro a week a week ago. Um, but that the, my Madeira trip was on a separate trip to Portugal, yeah. and it, it it just it could take the most bitter, cynical person who's been in the business forever, and you step foot on that island, and you're just like, holy shit! Just passion rekindled. Um, yeah. And with that, I'm I'm so stoked that you're you're doing some of the rice based and barley based distillates out there as well, because again, these are some of the most widely consumed spirits that are out there. People, if you are not familiar with some of these aging um, spirits, they're lower in proof. They have gray flavor to them. They're very mixable. Like they're they're really really but a lot amazing of the spirits. Is access, you know, and in the states we have you've obviously seen the three tier system from going to mm-hmm. uh, tales of the cocktail. You were talking about like, oh yeah. I'd, I can get it at Tales, but maybe nowhere else, you mm-hmm. know. And yeah. that's how I, speaking of Richard Seal, that's how I was able to obtain my bottle of the uh, Four Square Triptych. The 30 mm-hmm. bottles made it into New Orleans, and I got my bottle. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, well, Plantation uh, as well, you know, they rolled out Plantation Pineapple, what, a few years back, and you could only get it in Louisiana mm-hmm. for like a month. Yeah, I think stuff's good, too. It is yeah. magical. Super good. <laughs> So, um, what do um as we're getting closer to wrapping up, we always ask our guests if you have a particular hangover cure. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, I wish everyone could see the smirk that we just got there. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm very um, simple in a way. Actually, I don't I don't even take like. Uh, aspirin or ibuprofen you know I'm, I'm more of a believer like if you feel bad you know like you just have to wait it out or drink water or like, usually you it's deserve either, it yeah <laughs> you deserve it yeah you deserve to suffer <laughs> and it either means you just have to sleep or you have to drink water or you have to eat something you know like it's it's usually to me it's usually things like that having said that you know like uh, um i think Usually, if I'm if I'm traveling and and it means that I have to be on point, you know, or I have to continue. Right. Uh, I think uh, you know uh, any any shot of Amaro will always um, do mm-hmm. good. Or I remember one year I was I think I was like fellow at, at Manhattan Cocktail Classic when they were doing it, and uh, and uh, I think my my start of the day was always uh, we had this um, there was just like this uh, syrup squeeze bottle, and uh, in it was like uh, just a uh, Lafroy. 
and uh, <laughs> the idea and the idea and the idea was that you know you just spray you know like you, for one drink you know during it uh, and we was we, which was already long gone which was like the first day and i just use it like you know like a beat on you know when you when you're working out you know i would just like spray <laughs> and i would just spray it in other people's mouth like mouth open and it's like spray just like Freud because nice. it like give you that nice kick you know it's like nice like oh it'll give you a kick like, yeah right and, and it's just like a tiny bit you know i i, I tend to like my shots you know like uh, I, I don't like it if you get a shot and it's like over an ounce or anything you know if, it, if it's like gets too big of a gulp i just get nauseous or something sure but i just love having a nice nice good shot like only like two-thirds of an ounce something like that you know a tiny just a little nice, dram just a little dram, island scotch just a little dram and just get it in you and and that always uh, that always helps it always helps uh, i was expecting you to drop some like tea knowledge on us like oh no you have to have this certain tea for this altitude special I can't fucking talk. I'm, I, Another I, glass I, of mezcal. It's all hair about the hair of the dog. You know, it's all about pushing that that you know that uh, that methanol and, and the, the weirder ethanols uh, uh, to, <laughs> the to the back. Ethanols. To the back. I mean, I, I I I'm you know I'm a big believer in karma. You know, so that that stuff is still gonna that poison is still gonna hit you, but you can <laughs> kind of decide when it's going to hit you. You can still push it back a little bit and. You know, and then deal with it later. Right, you could do, yeah. you, you could do that. If, it, but I think it's like, uh, you know, that's that's really when it, when it, when you have to. You know, when you ha when you have to give. You know, when you have to do a presentation. You know, for it, or you have to get on a plane, and you think you're not going to make it. You know, you're not going to survive. So then, then, yeah. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just summed up like the last four days. Um, yeah. Well, so. this is uh, this has been pretty awesome. I mean, uh, I know we've talked about it already, but I mean, uh, so what are we uh, what are we gonna expect tonight? You know, with the uh, the dandelion take. Well, I think yeah, the dandelion. You know, like uh, yeah, I think it's very um, highly anticipated. Um, we've, been, we've been setting up for these guys uh, for the, the pretty much the uh, part of good part of the day. And I saw their recipes; they looked really uh, really cool, but approachable. So I think that's gonna in really nicely and uh the guys of bath of gin and, and rebellion as well um so i think we're going to see a little bit of an industry night here tonight so uh cool. gonna, that's uh it's going to be the second night this week that we're having a kind of an industry yeah, night on monday great. as well so uh it'll be a good night for us to be here <laughs> to uh network with some cool people yeah yeah yeah. There, there's going to be some bartenders around if they're off though i mean like that's <laughs> right, the thing right on the other event you know the girls are bartenders event and that's we always specifically do it on a monday and i was there and a friend of my my girlfriend, uh, her best friend, she was like, "Yeah, but why? It, it sounds so cool, such a cool event. You know, I have guest bartenders every hour. Why 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 do you do it on a Monday though? You know, like there's nobody nobody's going to be there. It's like you know, but the bartenders will be there. You know? right, and it's right, like, right. and you know, like the, the bartenders will be there, and the people who really appreciate will be there. Otherwise, I could never get all of these guys to, to be off. You know, like uh, you know, like they, they they would be working. I can't do this on a Saturday night and get everybody right, to work. Right. You know, like they're they're all working themselves, right? Our plan was to be here on Monday for that, and <laughs> and now you're in retrospect, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we didn't make it. No, uh, we might have erased a whole week very easily. Good. Uh, Again, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with us. This has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to come uh, tonight and uh, enjoy the yeah, this is, giant industry night here oh, yeah, in, uh, yeah, in Amsterdam. Yeah, it's it's yeah, been amazing. If anybody listening, like it, you got to put this place on your map, really. Um, it, it's a very special place. I mean, I, I know Ed and I have both been to a decent number of speakeasies, and not only were they hard to find, but the cocktails costed way too much, and they took way too fucking long to get there, and the people were assholes. And this yeah. is not that modest operandi at all. Yeah, it's we're really not really awesome. uh, we're we're not blowing smoke up your ass. This is, yeah. I mean. We thoroughly enjoyed our time here last night, and I, I'm very much looking forward to coming back. So, how can people learn more about you guys? Like social media, websites. Yeah, we all know. Yeah, we we always post, uh, you know, like our, uh, our our drinks of the day, and we do we do a lot of on that and our events. You know, always on on Facebook, on Instagram. You know, we're we're there. You know, like for our our people who like us. Uh, most what is importantly, your, uh, Instagram handle. Usually, yeah, uh, that's actually just door uh, underscore seventy four. So uh, so that's. Uh, it's quite easily that one is quite easy to find and and basically reservation wise you can just find uh, find uh, the phone number it's floating around the internet and then you just uh, the, the most important thing is that same day reservations because like like I said before we want everybody to have the same 
uh, chances, you know, like, so it's like, uh, so it's not like three months in advance fully booked, you know, like, so it's, it's like, if you're, if for whatever reason you, you can't come through the door, people know why that happened. You know, we, we explained it very easily to them. Like if you would have just sent us a text, you know, like as soon, you know, early in the afternoon or whenever you knew that you were coming, send us a text, you will e- immediately know what's up and, and how is it, how it's looking for that night. Um, so, um, so yeah, I like that concept a lot. Yeah, like, I, I mean, too. I, I respect, you know, people where they're booked three months out and good for them that their business model is, is that good where that, you yeah. know, they can, they can do that. But, you know, I don't want to have to plan three months out if, for a place I want to go to. Um, I'm happy to plan, but come on, man. Yeah. So <laughs> the, the fact that right. it's like, it's a daily thing, like, yeah. you know, you know, yeah. get so, in. You know what you could have done, you know, like it's not like you, you, you had to jump that many hoops and, and also what all that also helps is just it, 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 it tells you uh, what's up for that night. So a lot of people what they do is they go out for dinner and then they're they just text us like how is it looking, you know, when is your first availability and then you know they know how how it's looking, you know, like and, That's uh, ideal. That's really cool. So uh, so that works. Um so don't do what we did. You just showed up <laughs> to the door. And, uh, well, no, you know, you're more than again. You're more than welcome Actually, it worked to. out, though. You're we did, we did get out. in. We did get in. It, we we it knew it was out. a slower, well, not a slower night of the week, but it was a more likely, it wasn't Friday night. Yeah, we, you know. no, 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 no. Thank God. You know, like, uh, and I, I think for us, you know, the most fun nights, uh, you know, it's always fun, but I think, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like, like Saturday nights, it's just, it's just pretty tight, tight, tight reserved. Uh, like, uh, to give you an idea, uh, we do, like, on a Saturday night, we do about, Four, towards 400 people a night um, um, and, uh, and so again we are in a time. very small space how, yeah, many, how many seats you have here, <laughs> just or? around like uh, like if we if we maximize it we'd be around like 50 so uh, okay so yeah we go then full about seven times in the night so it's like uh, Jesus yeah. Christ <laughs> so yeah yeah we turn over about seven times so it's like uh, yeah so it's quite tight on those days but uh, but yeah, the most fun is really, in my opinion, the most fun is usually on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or even like on a Monday, you know, like I had some of my most memorable nights working also on like, nights like Monday, Sunday, Monday, because the place is so tiny, you know, like it doesn't need much for it to feel cozy. So it's like, usually yeah. like you have 10 people, even if you have just like 10 people in and they're all seated at the bar, you're going to have a great, you're going to have the best of time, you know, like you're just, everybody's just chilling. And uh, that, uh, that's my favorite time to be here, you know, like, uh, and the rest is just to enable everybody to have a good time. Oh, it was very communal. Uh, yeah. I mean, c- customers were speaking with each other. Oh, nice. The bartenders were entertaining everyone and having a good time. And yeah, I, again, can't wait to come back tonight. Thank you again so Thanks. much for, uh, for for sitting down with us. We very much uh, appreciate it. And we're, we've only uh, got one more day in Amsterdam. Um, next up, we're, we're heading to Alsace. For those of you that keep track of the show, uh, Patrick Aledo is hosting us in Alsace and Colmar for the wine fair. So that is uh, where we're headed next. Nice. So um, stay tuned. We will be back from France here in a few weeks. Yep. Door 74, kids. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.